You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous, the podcast about Broadway flops, scandals, and new work. I'm your host, Ebony Vines. And I'm your host, Pamela Shandro. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Theater Geeks Anonymous podcast on the Broadway Podcast Network and all your favorite podcast listening apps. Thank you. And also, Ebony I just need to, I can't wear my mask. I can't breathe through it. And if I breathe through it, then I'll get CO2 poisoning. And how will I live through that? I'll die. I'll die if I wear a mask. I can't wear a mask and I won't wear a mask. It's my freedom. It's my right. My body, my choice. <laughs> oh, was that good? <laughs> oh, the accent. It was just that little bit of extra that was just really on point right then. I just really yeah, A little enjoyed. New England. So pretentious. Oh, I summered in Cape Cod every summer with my parents. <laughs> Martha's Vineyard. They should have called it Pamela's Vineyard. I was there so often. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh lordy. Yeah, so needless to say, a lot has happened. A my lot. sister was actually just diagnosed with COVID. She's doing okay. Mm. She says that she's got this kind of nagging cough, but she was just mostly achy and really tired. Mm. But it's like, you know, it, we might not have the death toll that we once did, but people are mm-hmm. still dying from this. Yeah, yeah. We're and and the there. hospitalization numbers keep going up. Yeah. Well, and that's what made us have to shelter in place in the first place right? back in March, because the numbers were so much that the hospitals could not accommodate them. And yeah. that's when we ran into this emergency situation. Right. So just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're not here but- to talk about COVID. There's some cool stuff. Okay. So we're going to talk about holler if you hear me but it's not so it's actually holler if you hear me oh right but when I say (laughs) it it doesn't it sounds very white (laughs) (laughs) it's like me trying to say bring in the noise bring in the funk yeah (laughs) it doesn't sound good so I'm just gonna say you (laughs) which we also talked about uh because that was in the riddle yeah (laughs) (laughs) I'll talk about it here, I think, a little bit, too, because it was at the same time that all of this was kind of happening. Oh, okay. It was also at the same time, bring in the noise. (laughs) 
can't. Anyway, so yeah, <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today. This will be exciting because there's there's a lot of information, and I'm sorry to say that a lot of it I couldn't find um, sources about or like you know more information through, but uh, it, it it is really interesting to kind of to delve into. And because it's a more recent show, there's loads of videos that you can watch and loads of interviews that you can watch that were videotaped. And so like that was really fun to kind of fall down that rabbit hole. So Holler If You Hear Me is a jukebox musical written by Todd Creedler featuring the rap music of Tupac Shakur. Shakur? Shakur. Shakur? Shakur. (laughs) As I was was typing this out, I was like, oh, I'm going to make a fool of myself. But Tupac, um, mm-hmm. it was, and actually, I will say because I'm not um, rap music is not the first thing I go to listen to. Right, right. But I can, you know, there's an appreciation for it. So I was yeah. listening to some of Tupac Shakur's stuff while I was doing this. Yeah, his lyrics are really phenomenal. I mean, yeah. th- I mean that is you you cannot deny that he, he the way he was a wordsmith, yeah. uh, the most artful wordsmith. So. Uh, having said that, <laughs> um, it was directed by Kenny Leon, who we've talked about yeah. on this show before, and yeah. with musical staging and choreography by Wayne Salento. Hmm. These are hard hitters. I don't, what else has Wayne done? Wayne Salento choreographed Wicked, but he, and I'll get into detail, but he was most famous or best known for originating Mike on Broadway in the chorus line. Oh so my he, goodness. He's a Broadway legacy. Right? Yes. Kenny Leon as well. I'll go into detail about these two guys, but like these are heavy hitters. Yeah. These, these are not, you know, brand new to theater. Like, no. I, maybe I'll write a show. Like, these people know what they are doing, right? And they have been in the business for a very long time. So, just reading that first sentence on Wikipedia, I was like, huh, interesting. You've got these hard hitting, amazing. A uh, talented director, choreographer, and lyricist, if you want to con- include Tupac in that. And right. I didn't really do any research on Todd Creedler, but, you know, if he's writing the music to Tupac's lyrics, then obviously he's also very talented. He's good. Yeah. Why didn't it succeed? Yeah. <laughs> so just to go, go into a little bit detail, I know that we've mentioned Kenny Leon before, but his yeah is directing color-centric pieces like Lorraine Hansberry's A Raisin in the Sun, Mm -hmm. August Wilson's Gem of the Ocean, Radio, oh, August Wilson's, basically all of his shows. So you've got Gem of the Ocean, Radio Golf, and Fences. He has (laughs) numerous Tony and Drama League nominations. And in 2014, actually won the Tony for Best Direction of a Play for Raisin in the Sun. That was (laughs) the one with Audra McDonald and Sean Combs. Oh, yes, yes. P. Diddy. (laughs) Or puff daddy or puff it was it was puff daddy before but now it's yeah. p diddy i mean he was sean puffy combs when i when i was growing up <laughs> yeah same same yeah. and, and i think when puff he daddy. did that yeah yeah, yeah. um and then he, yeah. I mean, he's represented or was represented this year on Broadway in a soldier's play. Yes. And so that'll come up too here. So mm-hmm. he directed, he actually directed the NBC live musical events of The Wiz and Hairspray. I didn't realize that he did Hairspray. I knew that he had done mm-hmm. The Wiz, 
So that was cool to find out. And then most recently, as you just said, he directed the Broadway premiere of Charles Fuller's Pulitzer Prize winning masterpiece, A A Soldier's Play, starring Blair Underwood, David Allen Greer at Roundabout Theater Company. Mm -hmm. So this guy. (laughs) And he's also like super attractive. (laughs) He's really nice too. Oh, I'm sure that's true. We went to see, um, Maria and I went to see um, Children of a Lesser God. Yeah. And he was standing at the back of the theater. Cool. Very cool. And I was like, I was like, I have, I have to just talk to him. <laughs> Can I just touch I just... the hem of your suit? <laughs> <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, really, it was like that, yeah. but he just like, you know how some people have like resting bitch face. He, he doesn't, he just like, he just feels like a kind person that you yes. could. So I was like, I, I just have to. So oh, I did. I, I went over, that. I was like, I just, I love your work so much. Yeah. You know, and he was just so nice. He's the nicest. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, he's really attractive. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm getting a little warm. <laughs> <laughs> so now, Wayne Salento, as I mentioned, he's best known for originating the role of Mike in the Broadway show, A Chorus Line. And the Bob Fosse reviewed Danson, for which he received his first mm. Tony nomination. He did loads of other shows, both great and not so. But in the early 1980s, Salento started building a career as a director and choreographer. Some of his full-scale musicals included the Jerry Herman review Jerry's Girls with Cheetah Rivera mm. and Baby, which earned him his second Tony nomination. Uh, and his choreography profile increased again when he won both a Tony Award and a Drama Desk Award for the musical The Who's Tommy in 1993. Oh, wow. I know. He recreated Fosse's style in the revivals of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. That was in 95. Okay. Um, and Sweet Charity. It didn't have a date attached to Sweet Charity, but they seemed like they were together. So it probably was right around that same time. It's not the Christina Applegate one? Exactly. I think that it was the one prior to that. Uh, And also he staged two new musicals, which aren't new anymore. They were Aida and Wicked. Oh, wow. I know. According to Playbill, the musical build, Holler If You Hear Me, the world inside Tupac Shakur's music and lyrics, blazes to life in a non-biographical story about friendship, family, revenge, change, and hope. Inner city lives struggle for peace against the daily challenges they face in this entertaining and original musical and through the poetry of one of the 20th century's most influential and culturally prominent voices, we are given a window into realities of the streets still relevant today. The synopsis on the Holler website reads, the world inside Tupac Shakur's music and lyrics blazes to life in this non-biographical, so it's basically the same and just kind of tells you about revenge, hope, change. I mean, it's, and I didn't do a lot of research on Tupac because I think, I mean, most people know exactly. He died tragically in a drive-by shooting when he was very young still, I think still in his twenties. Yeah, he was. Shouldn't have happened, but it did. Uh, So he had so much that he was, you know, had to offer. Um, Mm. And I think I wrote this later on, but if I didn't, I'm just going to mention it now because it was really interesting that when they went to go and ask his mother if they could do this show with his music, she actually gave them all of his unpublished writing. Oh, wow. And like, here you go. Here's everything he's ever written. I think they had like handwritten notes too. Like, wow. 
really a, a completely generous and really amazing thing for her to do. But she was just so excited because she, I think I did write this later. She wanted that's, or she said that he wanted to be on Broadway. Like this is what he was oh. yeah, like aiming for. Like he wanted to write for Broadway and write for TV and like be a part of that kind of um, conversation. So, yeah. So the principal roles in the original Broadway cast, and this was sourced from Playbill Vault and also Theater Mania, included mm -hmm. Saul Williams as John, Christopher Jackson as mm -hmm. Curtis. He's amazing. There's this great video and I'll, oh, I'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this name correctly. Saikon Senglo played Corinne. Okay. It's a very, it's a, S-A-Y-C-O-N is the first name. Okay. I think that I said it correctly, but if I did not, I'm so sorry. Um, Joshua Boone played Darius. Dylan Burnside played Anthony. John Earl Jelks played Street Preacher. Tanya Pinkins played Mrs. Weston. Mm -hmm. Ben Thompson played Griffey. And Yahi Kierce, and I don't know if I pronounced that one either correctly, played none. The critical response... Um, I'm just going to start reading some of the excerpts uh, from okay. different um, critiques. Marilyn Stasio, in her review in Variety, wrote, the true believers won't care about such pedestrian matters as the predictable book and clumsy characterizations. Mm. The music is terrific. Of course. But the performers, I know this is what she says, but the performers are so overly miked that the lyrics are almost unintelligible. The other major drawbra drawbacks is that the story told in Todd Creedler's book isn't the story we want to hear. It's not the life of Tupac Shakur. It's, the, it's this generic tale of a thug named John who comes out of prison determined to go straight only to be drawn back into the violent gang culture of the neighborhood by friends who demand his undying loyalty to the clan philosophy of life as war. Uh, in another, in uh, let's see, The Hollywood Reporter, David Rooney wrote, critical response to the show was lukewarm. While many reviews, uh, reviewers appreciated the attempt to stretch the jukebox musical format in new directions, going beyond the safe parameters of baby boomer hits, most found the story of racism, poverty, crime, violence, community, and redemption mired in plot cliches and stock characters. Mm. It was apparent from the outset that not only was the show's marketing not working, but also that producers had made a mistake in bypassing the developmental opportunities of an out-of-town tryout and the fine-tuning window of a longer preview period, which we have talked about before. Yeah. A lot. Yep. So here's where it may have gone wrong. There's actually a few reasons. Okay. I'm going to say it again. No out-of-town tryout. It arrives at the palace with just two workshops under its belt. One also direct. The palace. Yes, I know. <laughs> Which is probably why the mic situation was so bad. Yeah. Um, one of those workshops was directed by Mr. Leon and featured. Do you know the answer to this? Lynn? Chadwick Boseman. My body. Yes. And this is what I was alluding to before. There is a video in rehearsal, Chadwick Boseman and Christopher Jackson doing this number together. And it is, it, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It's really remarkable because the acting, those two huh, are just, they are beautiful performers. And to watch them is 
is just pure art. Why didn't he get the part? Well, he ended up doing a movie instead. And that's okay. why they, yeah. So, I mean, there's a, he had a legitimate reason. He did. <laughs> and honestly, I guess I'm grateful, you know, like that we have, uh, we have it all on screen, like captured totally. now that he's gone. Yeah, and I, Chadwick at that point, Chadwick, we're on a first name basis. <laughs> um, he had already had one movie and I can't remember, it's the movie that he was a baseball player, but I can't remember. Oh, 42, he played thank Jackie you. Robinson. Yes, thank you for, I couldn't remember the name of it. So he had already done that mm-hmm. um, before doing this workshop and he fully intended to go to Broadway with this show. But he was offered Get On Up, and that is what he decided to do. And that was and that's probably the last the movie I saw with my mother. Oh my god! Yep. Oh, I love this. I'm gonna <laughs> cry. This is the best. And that ultimately, I mean, that's what made him. That's what started his career. I mean, if you really want to look at it that way. So, yeah. you know, as much as I think we would have loved to see him in Holler If You Hear Me, and yeah. who knows what kind of benefit that would have had to the actual show itself. Right. Um, however, Saul Williams was, you know, he was an up and coming artist. He was living in the UK at the time that they um, uh, confronted, not confronted, <laughs> when they confronted him nicely about uh, joining the company. <laughs> What am I thinking? Uh, you're looking for. Oh gosh, I <laughs> word is that you're yes. looking for, but you're like you. They're not proposition isn't good no, either. It's a terrible. Okay, it doesn't matter. You guys know. <laughs> Everyone knows what we mean. Yes, when they confronted him nicely, um, <laughs> but he was he was a performer, writer, and recording artist all on his own. But uh, Saul <laughs> Williams, so he stepped into the lead that way. Um, the music okay so this is also where it may have gone wrong the musical had a five-week workshop in the summer of 2013 but nothing else mm. i think they did have another workshop that it said but i couldn't find any information about when or where so wild i know so this five-week workshop was the one with chadwick boseman in it i don't know if they changed anything i don't know if they had like active audiences or if it was just like a performance and then you leave but they didn't you know like you know some workshops will like take um audience polls or like reviews at the end and you know people will write down what they liked and what they didn't like I don't know if that was the case here so it's all just kind of up in the air also the musical began previews on Broadway at the Palace Theater oh this is just the the nitty gritty. So the musical okay. began previews on Broadway at the Palace Theater June 2nd, 2014, and they officially mm-hmm. opened June 19th. So they only had a few weeks of previews. Um, I think the actual, oh yes, I have the actual number of previews is 17. That's they, not a lot. No. So they opened on June 19th and they That's closed, like two weeks. Yeah. They closed on July 20th. So one month, they were open for one month for 38 performances. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I mean, who's to say really 
what it could have been. There is one of the producers, Eric L. Gold, who kind of had envisioned telling Tupac's story, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't to be because one of the rapper's chroniclers had already secured the biographical rights for his book. Oh. So now the producer had access to the music, but he had to tell a different story. Yeah. That's kind of what Mr. Gold thinks was the issue. But also he says, um, this is also from Eric L. Gold. He blamed the show's closing on financial burdens of Broadway at that time. This was 2014. So I don't know. I didn't know what specifically he was talking about. Maybe you can shed some light on that. Um, But he says, I was unable to sustain the production longer in order to give it time to bloom on Broadway. Mr. Gold also recently told Variety that he made a rookie mistake by underestimating the amount of capital necessary to keep the 8 million show running. Yeah, yeah. I'm. It was such a breath of fresh air to read that because it was like reality. That's like right. he wasn't. He wasn't saying no. I don't know what it was. These audiences. It was these reviewers. He, like he actually took responsibility for his yeah. part in the show not being able to run longer. I mean, the show definitely had mixed reviews. But he, so he was a new producer. I don't think he was because he um, said rookie mistake. Well, he made a rookie mistake in this, right. but I don't, I think he had had prior experience. Um, I think I read it somewhere. I just don't have it written down here, but let me Google it right quick. Because I, I'm just curious, like if he didn't know how much it was going to cost per week yeah. to run. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't make your running costs, even you have to have a lot of money in reserve to keep you open. Right. Um, until audiences come, you know, and in some cases, mm-hmm. you know, Beetlejuice is a rare, a rare yes. story where, right. you know, it's yeah. found it's-, its audience well into the run. Totally. And then started running at a million yeah. a week. Okay. So Eric L. Gold did a lot of film producing. Okay. He actually did Don't Be a Menace, which I believe didn't that have Tupac Shakur in it? Uh, yeah, Don't Be a Menace to Society While Drinking yeah. Produce in the Hood. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's always a longer title than. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes. And I believe that that. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Didn't that have? Let's see. But anyway, so um, he, he also, let's see. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Let me go back. Um, major pain, scary movie, bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And these it, were all well before Holler If You Hear Me. The thing is, though, is that, and I, I know this is something I heard from um, one of the producers of Jagged Little Pill, mm-hmm. who comes from television and film. And he was just like, the way Broadway do- does things is so backwards. Yeah. And so that adjustment of figuring out, okay, I have to have all this capital and all this money in reserve yeah. on the front end because it, you know, it's just so different than well, so. Total of the, the running costs of yeah. a movie is negligible. Right. It's just renting the theater, basically. Right. right. And so the running cost of a Broadway show is that you have to make a million dollars per night just yeah. to break even. If you make above that, fantastic. You get to pay off your investors. But if you don't make that amount, it's like, well, we'll never make it. <laughs> I mean, a million a week. Yeah. Oh, no, a million yeah. per night. 
No, a million per week. Yes, you said per night twice. Okay, sorry. (laughs) I was like, I think she means a million per week. Yeah, yeah. I did. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, just to put this in perspective, to move Phantom of the Opera, the national touring of Phantom of the Opera, to move that from one theater to another, $1 million. Just to move the show. Bananas. So that means that the next theater had to have at least a million dollars just to bring the show there. And then also what it was gonna cost for everybody to be paid for four to six weeks. It's crazy. Just up front. Yeah. And I'm sure he thought that, you know, it'll, it's gonna hit the ground running. We've, you know, this is Tupac Shakur we're talking about. So like that's name recognition right there. There has to right. be an audience for that. But I will also Oh, I was just going to say the thing is that Broadway like marketing is such that they're really crappy at, you know, because we talked about this yep. when we were talking about stick fly one day yep. and just how terribly, you know, new, the marketing for shows are, especially yep. when it comes to people of color and audiences that are not like your traditional theatrical exactly. audiences. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was yeah. that, you know, the audience that you want for a show like that, A, cannot afford it. It is prohibitively mm-hmm. expensive to come to a Broadway show. And they've cultivated their audience to be old, white, rich people or middle class right. people. That's, you know, unapologetically, that is what has happened. Right. So if you are any other demographic, you <clears throat> are either have to stand in line to get a cheap seat and maybe don't, or you spend as much as you can, which is back of the house, top of the balcony, where you can't really, you know, enjoy the show anyway. And especially at the palace, which is so big. It's enormous. It's enormous. That was a terrible place for that show. It needed to be a much more intimate house. It needed to be like a rent style house. Like that's, you know, it needed to be that kind of feeling where, you know, you are, you are a part of the action because, and I, I do understand, you know, the critics said it, so did Eric Gold. And I'm sure it had been said by other critics as well um, that, you know, because you couldn't tell the actual story of Tupac Shakur, that you had to kind of tell this other story and they probably just went the easy route and, and did pick kind of these stock characters. So you've got yeah. the just out of prison, wants to make better for himself, but can't because he keeps on getting pulled back in. Then you have the best friend from before prison who's the one that's pulling him back in. Then you've got these other two thugs over here. And I actually do think they were, they were uh, spoken of as thugs, like thug number one, thug number two. Oh, no. Right? Who, uh, you know, something so heinous happens to one of them that, you know, the whole story, you know, like that's where the redemption comes in because now he doesn't want to be part of the life anymore because of, the, you know, this happening. And then you've got this poor, long suffering mother who raised her child not to be a thug. I didn't, I didn't raise you to be yeah. this way. Was it, was Tanya Pinkins in Tanya this? Pinkins, yes. Yeah. That was her. Yeah. And, you know, and you don't, God, there's so much there. There's so much there. I agree. And I was just thinking, you know, I had watched um, the Donmar Warehouse trilogy, the Shakespeare trilogy, where they did The Tempest, 
uh, Henry and I can't remember the oh Julius Caesar. Okay. And it the whole thing it takes place so the setting is a women's prison. Oh. And so they do all three of these shows with this with the same group of women, mm-hmm. and they're all in a women's prison. And they they the production did it in conjunction with a real penitentiary in England. Oh, okay. So they incorporated some of the stories from the women in the penitentiary. Yeah. I I'm just like, why? Okay, so you can't use Tupac's music, but think of all the real individuals right. with real stories that you could have been telling. Uh, and yes. this could have been like this could have been, what am I thinking of? I, I thought of the Don Mar warehouse, but also thought of um, you, uh, like sort of a vagina monologue style, sort of like a, a working style sort of yeah. thing where you, where you tell real stories. You have people mm-hmm. playing real people, telling their stories. Yeah. And you can incorporate Tupac's music into it because it's about real life. Or, I mean, you, yeah. you could have even got like, you know, if he worked on Don't Be a Menace to Society while drinking your juice in the hood, like, why didn't he get the writers who worked on that? Why didn't he get, there's so many Black yeah. writers out there who totally. write really good stories about, about life, life, um, you know, in, in, in these neighborhoods yes. and, and like, yes, that's what you should have done. Absolutely. And also, you don't you don't have the rights to Tupac's story, right. but you had access to his mother. Right. I mean, that could have been the center point of your whole show. Right, right. Tanya Pinkins is no schlub. Like, no. she's amazing in her own right as well. Right, Tell her right. story. Right. Tell her story of raising this Black man in a Black society where you are systemically, you know, there's systemic racism still at right. hand, like even more so because it wasn't at the forefront of anybody's mind back then. Right. That's right. And then seeing him make these choices, not because he wanted to, but because it was the only option he had. That's right. That's and right. The powerlessness. And then see him go off to jail and be completely abandoned and alone and frustrated and... And then to see him come back and see that he wants to change his life, but he can't because Mm -hmm. he's still living in the same place that you have no idea of how to get out of. There's your story. That's right. That's right. It, and it's a beautiful story and it needs yeah, really. to be told. And there, it doesn't matter what, I want to hear that story. And I don't have any connection at all to yeah. living in, in any kind of, of race uh, uh, um, oppressed society. Right, right. I'm filled with privilege, but that is the story you want to hear because I need to know what's going on in this world if I'm to help and be an ally. That's right. So maybe- I hope... Yeah. Somebody like, t- you know, it's like with working where Stephen went back and reworked on yes. the book. Like it would be wonderful if somebody would take this show and be like, okay, let's work on the book yeah. and get ourselves like a real, a real story. <laughs> I did actually read though, that Kenny Leon may have been involved in a restaging of it just Ooh. recently. Okay. I didn't write it down. Cause Ebony. I also thought... <laughs> I also thought like, what about just doing like a concert at New York City Center, yeah. the way that working was done a few years ago? Yeah, restaging holler. Let me do a, 
if you be awesome hear me that's a that's that. a show we really really need right now oh totally that would unite us more than anything right now I'm telling you oh no nothing's coming up right away okay. All, everything is from 2014 so maybe i didn't read that <laughs> Well, maybe we find it and we throw it up in an intermission yeah. sode. If I do, I definitely will. But okay. uh, if you if you get a chance, Google, I think Chadwick Boseman in a workshop for Broadway, I think is, okay. is what that um, article is called. But it comes up with a, uh, and I think actually Wayne Salenta was the one that tweeted it, but that video. Okay. So it's good. It's good. That's wild. Broadway. Yeah. I can't believe it. Christopher Jackson. I love him so much. I do too. I do too. He's just, he's, oh, he's artful. He he comes from a place of just complete honesty and like, that's him. You are watching him on stage. Yeah. And it's completely believable that he's another person. Like he's so good. He's great. I love good actors. <laughs> I do too. Ew. Yeah, I love I love him too. And then, um, well, you've seen Hamilton now on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. but like, there's there's something extra about watching him and Lynn there because, like, like Lynn has always sort of seen him as a big brother. Yeah. And, and Chris has always taken on that role. And then when Lynn was writing it, he was writing the part for Chris. <laughs> I love that. Because <laughs> um, he said, he said, Lynn was reading it and they were still doing Heights. Yeah. And they just started calling him George or they just, they just started <laughs> calling him Mr. Washington. Well, and he's like, he well, write, I guess I'm taking. He wrote in the Heights for him as well. Right. Or at least with him in mind. Uh, maybe with him in mind, but like, uh, I don't, I don't, it was with Washington, it seemed like. Oh yeah. I mean, that was definitely, that was, yeah, that was definite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I do too. <laughs> well, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to this yes. episode. Another first, the first jukebox first. musical based on hip hop music. Yes. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. I don't know if we've talked about this on what? recording, but like the first jukebox musical was Mamma Mia. And both of us have really decided, well, we both discovered about each other that neither of us liked it. No, sure don't. As much as I love <laughs> ABBA and yeah, the love music ABBA. that they have created. Don't like that the show. show is awful. And it is because they took this wonderful music and then just kind of threaded through some, they just kind of threw a storyline at it. <laughs> like that's basically what they did, but because it caters to the audience that Broadway has already cultivated, yeah. it succeeded and, yeah. and, and it shouldn't have. And then there's now two movies, like two stop movies. it. I know. And Meryl, it's the only time I was ever disappointed in her. Like, come on. And, and she says it's like the most fun she's ever had. And I was like, it might have been fun, but it was terrible. <laughs> like, you should, everyone should know that this is a terrible show. Like, just yeah. let's do a concert version of it. That would be fun. But like, don't. Oh, really? The story. Just give me ABBA on stage. I don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if that's controversial at all, but that's whatever. How we feel. <laughs> I know I don't care. Listen, no, we're not taking any prisoners anymore. This is no, we're gone. done. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the episode. Yes. Holler if you hear me, and we don't like Mama Mia. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> all right, guys. Bye. Geeks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. Theater Geeks Anonymous. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TGA B-Way. And on Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous. And if you want to tell us how much you love us or you have a great story about one of the shows we've talked about, drop us a note at TGA B-Way at gmail.com. Until, Until next time, time geeks. geeks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.